Hello. Thanks for listening to DavCat43 Fights Fascism. Today's episode is a bit of a speculative exploration of some of the historical forces underpinning people's motivated thinking around impeachment. Why are people uh, who support Republicans so willing to ignore evidence, to ignore violations of the Constitution, etc., etc.? How is there still significant support for Trump? And how we can best ignore the deplorables and try to focus our energies more on engaging with potential persuadables? Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy today's episode. And how is, uh, how is watching the impeachment hearings going? So uh, I hear that today the Trump administration is formalizing moves to kick approximately uh, 775,000 people off uh, SNAP benefits, namely food stamps. And that this is a move that will hurt people uh, who rely on assistance, who work in jobs that are so uh, underpaid that they can't pay their bills effectively unless they have assistance feeding their families. Now, the interesting thing about this is that people might presume that's just hurting Trump's base because there's a wrongful stereotype that people subscribe to uh, that that says uh, the working poor constitute Trump's base, whereas it's actually a lot of... Um, middle-class white people who vote for Trump. Uh, That's some of his strongest supporters. Uh, Middle-class white people who go to white evangelical Christian churches and middle-class white people who watch Fox News. And they believe that the primary recipients of uh, welfare benefits are people of colour. So in order to prevent what they see as an unfair advantage being given to people of colour, they are happy to support Republican policies that will hurt poor people. So this is why I wanted to talk about contempt as and um, hierarchical ordering of, of worth as a primary driver for uh, Trumpism and for that willingness to overlook corruption that we're all suddenly going, hang on, wow, look at these Look at the depths of the Republican willingness to buy into corruption. Now, I've been saying for some little time that the Republicans would be going all in with Trump, regardless of what evidence emerged, just because they're criminals. Uh, and they clearly have exposure to Trump's criminality, but potentially their own. And my hypothesis about the the nature of their crimes has been uh, electoral fraud crimes, such as the type we see in, uh, well, sorry, that we have seen in North Carolina, when Mark Harris's own son, uh, Attorney General for North Carolina, um, John Harris, testified under oath that his father had ignored his advice and continued with hiring someone, Leslie Dallas, who was... um, who had allegations hanging over his head of former electoral fraud. So when you ignore your son warning you about somebody's corruption and fraudulent behavior and you hire them anyway to help you win an election, you have tacitly endorsed electoral fraud and theft from Americans of a free and fair election. 
So the thing that's interesting now is that Republicans are effectively saying we endorse theft provided we are the recipients of the stolen goods. We are the recipients, we are the beneficiaries of criminal activity. Uh, so yes, when I used racism, thanks Mr Ed, lovely to see you. When I said racism was a uh, potent, a potent motivator for the type of motivated thinking that skirts over evidence of corruption, that creates an audience for Fox News because Fox News doesn't operate in a vacuum. There are a lot of people, millions of Americans, putting their hand ups, hand, their hands up each day to be lied to in a very theatrical, hand-waving and confected outrage way. So Fox News are, don't mind anymore that it's hard to maintain logical consistency as they criticise the Dems for having private hearings, but then they criticise the Dems for having public hearings, and then they criticise the Dems for not allowing Trump to testify, and then they ignore that Trump declines to testify. So they'll shoehorn anything that happens into a fact pattern, a Fox fact pattern of we are being oppressed. And they know that that logic doesn't have to make logical sense anymore because we have people who are so emotionally activated. They know that emotional uh, logic can short-circuit real logic. Their emotional logic is that they are being persecuted, that uh, the economy would be jeopardized by uh, helping people, um, helping people who have been historically oppressed at an economic as well as a uh, literal enslavement level, uh, helping them make up some ground, helping them get roles in, in universities or um, affirmative action, essentially. So they so resent affirmative action, they so resent any steps that have been taken to uh, put people in positions of power so that they could reach a critical mass to attract more people because it is hard to break through to the seats of power when you are denied opportunities to do so. Although I will say uh, Michael Harriet is a person of colour on Twitter who points out that uh, in Reconstruction after the world, um, after the Civil War in the US, there were lots of black people elected to power uh, and white people who didn't like that essentially started another civil war in which they shot uh, some of the representatives, uh, they arrested them, they, they marched in the streets and they, they waged war against authority out of umbrage that there were so many um, elected, newly elected black people. Their brains hadn't caught up with the developments of America's legal system, that it was now the law that you couldn't enslave black people and that you could in fact have black voters and black people elected to Congress. Uh, so I should go and revisit that thread so I'm more familiar with the, with the details of that. But Michael Harriet pointed out, and his, um, his Twitter handle is Michael Harriet. Uh, so this was possible under Reconstruction. White people warring against it um, made people in power decide, well, not made them, uh, encouraged people in power to decide to smooth over this conflict by, uh, 
by putting more white people in power, by allowing them to get away with the the murders of black voters, black voting people, and the murders of elected black representatives. So it's not even um, that white people resent affirmative action. It's that white people in the US have literally uh, rioted and and shot people and um, and lynched people and and done all these things to prevent the. Uh, to prevent the free and fair exercise of, of voting by all American citizens. Uh, so we need to note that reluctance and we need to note that it persists. So racism is very persistent. Uh, Worldviews coloured by contempt or um, despising people from different, um, different levels of melatonin in their blood, sorry, in their skin, uh, that... That is a persistent attitude that has been difficult for America to shake. So America has made progress towards a more perfect union, but um, we should understand perhaps that you don't end racism, you just try and develop uh, vigilance and effective tools to minimise the destructiveness of racism, which is a persistent refrain throughout human history and across uh, countries, nationalities and skin colours. I hope that makes uh, persuasive sense to some people or that they uh, feel an interest in going and looking up Michael Harriet uh, for yourselves. T. He writes for a publication called The Root. So yes, next time I'll prepare myself by having this on board to read out loud. Um, but to acquaint people with my shtick, I'm a stay-at-home mother who could try harder to pursue job opportunities but uh, instead bakes cookies and uh, tries to expand my worldview on Twitter because I can see that there have been deficiencies in the worldviews of white people, that we have not been assertive enough to defend what is civilised. We have perhaps put too much faith in people who say, yes, we're the civility police. Everybody needs to be nice to each other. Don't be too critical. Don't be too negative. And we haven't prioritized uh, listening to the negative voices of people of color saying these injustices remain. And now racism has been weaponized and is harming more than people of color. Racism against people of color has been weaponized to bring about uh, death and destruction and insecurity Oh, national, national insecurity. National insecurity. I mean, um, destabilized national security priorities. And this is this has been used against us. If we have not done enough to fight racism, if we have not done enough, and we have not done enough, uh, we are being punished for it. Collectively speaking, our planet is in peril because people have formed obstacles to our collective ability to take action. We can say, yep, oh, it's great that the children are marching, so many more people are aware now of the existential threat posed to the human race from climate change, but the fact remains that Trump is in power, Trump is sabotaging uh, global, global will to address this problem, and Trump is propped up in power by the racist convictions of people who would rather watch Fox News and uh, be fed a parcel of lies about the impeachment process and the impeachment evidence and the impeachment conclusions 
then engage with a reasonable appraisal of uh, their societies. Now, I'm going to take a big step back and say that one motivator for racism is, is a desire for confidence. So racism is often falsifying confidence, falsifying confidence through either denying past wrongdoings or uh, putting in a claim to superiority that is not merited. So all of the people who fear the wokeness of the left, it's all right to fear that because woke people can be very depressive and they can be very fixated on wrongdoing. And it's true that examining wrongdoing is a key step to addressing wrongdoing and and stopping wrongdoing because even without uh, taking action to redress wrongs, we could just try and do less wrong. We could try and let there be less uh, systemic racism and that would be also a great uh, direction to move in. But we fear woke people. We fear, when I say we, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm trying to Uh, generalize about a pattern I observe from the right, which is that they deride and despise woke people and people who talk about racism as if they want to be more well-informed, as if they want to engage with reality rather than do what people on the right often do and discard and ignore reality in favor of uh, an unsubstantiated affirmation for themselves. Yes, white civilization is the best, Let's keep doing it. We're on this trajectory, so let's affirm it as the greatest. Never say sorry. Uh, Never try to minimize harm to people of color. And let's keep voting in people who uh, harm our air, our water, and our global climate. So Trump is the product of that type of thinking, of people people ignoring problems, that beset all of us because they were too willing to buy into a false narrative promoted by powerful people, powerful people who wanted to distract us from real problems with fake problems. And every time there's an act of terrorism, that's support for their narrative that the real threat to civilization is from uh, Muslims or um, Islamic extremists, but they would they would know that people are open to a narrative of fearing all Muslims. Uh, Hitler could bank on there being a national susceptibility uh, to blaming Jewish people for everything. So what can we do? Every, every bit of um, vocal... Every bit of analysis that we do is useful here because it's more useful instead of engaging with um, instead of following our instincts to adversarially engage with Trump supporters, we shouldn't. We should be minimizing engagement with them because they are reinforced and rewarded by fighting with us. They're, they want to fight. The fight is an enjoyable activity for them that takes them away from their um, festering sense of anxiety that the world uh, is not entirely going well. Their festering awareness that the world is increasing in temperature. So we don't engage directly with them and we resist our very human, very natural 
and very demanding urges that we experience to talk to a Trump supporter and say, you're wrong. Look, there's room for that. I mean, denouncing evil and denouncing wrongdoing is, is fine to a degree, but we shouldn't be engaging in protracted arguments with people who do feed off conflict, who do uh, use evidence of conflict to go back to their followers and say, see, look at these losers fighting with me. I won no matter what happened. But the easiest way to avoid doing something wrong is to focus on what you do need to do that's right. What we do need to do uh, is try to conserve energy, pull back from engaging with festeringly anxious, adversarial, uh, delusional people, and instead work on explaining a narrative that better, is a better fit to reality. So none of us can perfectly articulate reality. None of us can perfectly explain how the world works or what's going to happen with uh, the climate. We can describe the trajectory. We can describe scientific evidence pointing to certain conclusions. We can describe certain um, economic patterns, but we can't anticipate what Trump will pressure the Fed chair to do next. We don't know how long they can keep propping up the stock market with quantitative easing, uh, etc. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But we need to step out and analyze the emotions and analyze the driving forces. Because understanding this situation better is going to propel us forward. So not just collecting information like details of which Russian mobster is funding which Republican politician. But to stand back and go, why is it that so many Republican voters are supporting people who do this? What is the pattern? The pattern is a pattern of deceit that instead of being um, forcibly oppressed by a tyrannical regime, we are being tricked by a tyrannical regime or a tyrannical regime are maintaining power through their ability to continue tricking a significant subset of the population. So I'm going to put this into a uh, podcast for anybody who prefers to listen to um, this type of analysis through, mic through headphones whilst driving in a car or something of that nature. And I've also been neglecting YouTube, so I'm going to go on there now hopefully and, and broadcast a live video from there as well. Uh, please check out my podcast. It's available on Apple iTunes if you haven't already because it's a link that you can easily share amongst your friends. So if you ask one friend to, to have a listen, you have my eternal gratitude. Uh, if you have suggestions for how, what you'd like to see included, I was going to say how to improve, but it's more positive framing to say what you would like to see included going forwards. I noticed that when I put the word racism in the uh, title of my podcast of this scope today I, I got less viewers could possibly be because people are busy or possibly people are less interested collectively speaking into hearing yet another woke lefty rant about racism uh, I could also talk about the overlap between racism and classism because I think that it's just an emotion that can be cultivated can be purposefully amplified and exploited it's part of the human condition to lift oneself up psychologically by despising other people. It's, it can be part of the process for how we categorize things in our head, how we separate right from wrong, how we decide on a course of action, and how we validate ourselves for choosing a particular course of action. We look at other people and we say their actions hasn't worked out for them. 
So good, we're doing, we're on the right course of action. And that's a human tendency that's adaptive. It's adaptive to reinforce what you're doing and congratulate yourself for it and bolster yourself to continue doing it. But it's maladaptive when you use that process of looking at others and judging them and despising them uh, and you overgeneralize to large groups of people and you use that to justify your consumption of media sources that are lying uh, and that are perpetuating a sado-authoritarian narrative, i.e. let's reduce benefits, let's reduce Medicaid expansion, uh, small government's better, taxation is theft, we shouldn't pool our funds so we can help people and invest in our infrastructure, uh, we should only pool funds to help the military, and even then Americans that think it's okay to use so much tax money to invest in the military probably wouldn't be as happy if they realised that so little of that money goes to veterans, goes to support the people who, who do the honourable part of um, jeopardising their own safety in order to benefit their country and the people of that country, their fellow citizens. That so little of that, that money, all the billions that goes to the Pentagon, um, they might assume some of that goes to veterans, but it doesn't. Instead, a lot of it is making uh, military executives or the type of arms weapons manufacturing executives very, very wealthy. Uh, and there's a lot of redundancy in those unaudited billions. So there's screws that are like small metal screws that are costing the American taxpayer $50 each because there is insufficient examination and accountability of these processes. So I'm not just calling out racism today, I'm calling out what fuels people's appetites for racist explanations and that is an, over, an over-reliance on judging other people because that judging of other people gets out of hand, it gets in, inaccurate and the more irrational explanations you rely on, uh, the more you open yourself up to corruption to believing increasingly irrational explanations for things like, yeah, yeah, Trump is just um, just didn't follow the processes for holding up congressionally appointed monies because he's a disruptor. He's just trying to do his best for America. You can't expect him to fill out uh, legal paperwork. Uh, so people who aren't following along with the fact that Trump abused his power as president to uh, illegally withhold or inappropriately withhold money from, an, from a US ally, money that had been appointed to help Ukraine defend itself militarily against Russia, which is an attacking nation that has already uh, annexed parts of Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine has already lost thousands of its, the lives of its citizens and its armed forces. Thanks, Mr. Ed. That's a lovely comment. <laughs> uh, so yes, Trump abused his power to co-opt Ukraine the Ukrainian president, into participating in a corrupt scheme to defraud the American people. Uh, when, when I say defraud the American people, I'm not familiar with the statute number, but I saw written by a knowledgeable FB, former FBI agent, Asha Rangappa, uh, who wrote that shadow propaganda is illegal. It's illegal to conceal from the American people the origins of an investigation. So if you do that, black propaganda, shadow propaganda, you have started an investigation but you have concealed the origins of that investigation. 
So it becomes propaganda. It's done to influence people's opinion, but you are hiding its origins. So Trump was abusing the Ukrainian president to hide the origins of any investigation that they would start. They were very close to announcing an investigation, but there was no part uh, of that announcement that was going to include an admission that this was being done at the request of Trump. So the admission is now public because Trump, because of the whistleblower complaint uh, propelling Trump to um, to release uh, an approximate transcript of his call. Uh, so he thought, and his enablers presumably thought they'd taken out the most uh, incriminating parts of that con- conversation, but left in was still... Um, Zelensky saying we're we're just about ready to buy some more javelins from you and Trump saying but I'd like you to do us a favor though and all of the confected outrage on the right all of the oh Adam Schiff misrepresented it when he described this as a a mob deal you know nice country you've got there in terms of Ukraine and uh, if we'll we'll let you have the the money that was promised to you the arms that were promised to you as long as you are, as long as you cooperate with us in launching an investigation into our political rivals and helping us by launching another investigation, uh, launch an investigation into your own country that will uh, say Russia didn't do it. Russia didn't attack the U.S. in 2016. Put up your own hands and say we think we did it. We think we, the Ukrainian people and politicians, are the ones who committed cyber crimes against the democratic national server in order to somehow help Hillary by hacking the democratic party blame us we'll do that to save to save our citizens to keep us the us happy as our most significant um, ally because without the us's without an alliance with the us Russia knows that it has full permission to proceed with the invasion and annexation of Ukrainian territory. And once Russia's acquired Ukraine, it can go on and acquire other neighbouring countries that, yes, formerly were part of the Soviet bloc, but had since achieved independence. So Russia is diminishing the national sovereignty of uh, European countries. And the US, US Congress was a holdout against that. But Trump is corrupting the US Congress and Trump is corrupting the Republican Party so that they're all in with criminality and criminal behavior and betrayals of oaths of office. So so that's all from me for today. Uh, I hope, I wish you luck and I hope that the independents in America are increasingly wising up to the treachery of the Republican Party. I know some people are confused and find it confusing. I deputize all of you watching, all remaining people watching, to do what I'm doing, to not necessarily through the medium of Periscope or podcasting, but to be a voice that clarifies and explains to people uh, the nature of this criminal misconduct. Bribery is illegal, bribery is a felony, extortion is a felony, and uh, presidential misconduct is doing things that only you can do as president. So abusing your power of being able to tell the office, um, the budget office to put a hold on aid 
even though there's actual protocols you should be following to, to let Congress know that you intend to put a hold on aid that they have appointed towards a particular cause because they have the power of the purse. This is a constitutionally mandated separation of the powers. So Trump usurped the power of the purse from Congress by failing to follow appropriate protocol for putting a hold on such a significant um, or any money. If he wants to put a hold on any money, it's inappropriate for him to do that. But this was also a large amount of money, which highlights the, the degree to which he was abusing his powers to award himself a bargaining chip that wasn't his to bargain with. Uh, Trump awarded himself a bargaining chip to extort Ukraine with, to create a bribery situation where he could say, I want you to advance a fake narrative for me. I want you to help me tell a f to tell a lie to the American public so that I can help uh, Russia with my end of whatever terrible bargain I have with Vladimir Putin so that I can uphold my end of the bargain uh, with Putin and help give him Ukraine so that I can uphold my end of the bargain with Putin and help um, and defend myself as I end sanctions against Russia. Tucker Carlson is trying to clear the pathway for that with Fox viewers. He's been telling them that why should we be on Ukraine's side? Why should we be on the side of an American ally, a decades-long American ally? Uh, why shouldn't we support Russia? Uh, I do. So he admits to supporting Russia. He's evidently being open about this so he can bring more people on board. He is the vanguard in helping American the Americans who support uh, Trump support the idea of an, uh, an American-Russian alliance that is very exploitative of America and Americans and will create an America that's more like Russia, where sadopopulism has been used to describe what happens. Um, Putin steals from the people and then uh, creates a cult of personality around himself by saying, don't worry, I'm going to go out and acquire more territory for you, my wonderful Russian people because I'm your wonderful Russian leader and um, and I'm also amazing and look at me take off my shirt and ride a horse. So nothing that's relevant to leadership ability but is relevant to a cult of macho-ness and Trump will do the same thing, continue to impoverish people in the US, make their lives more difficult, make them closer to starvation once they lose SNAP benefits, uh, once once Trump is successful in overturning the parts of Obamacare that provide coverage for people with uh, pre-existing conditions, once Trump has um, successfully got his, his Supreme Court appointees to overturn Roe v. Wade uh, and thus won political brownie points with people whose worldview entails express, uh, oppressing women and limiting their opportunities in life limiting their ability to respond to an accidental conception with some personal choices for themselves and their families if they have one. I would remind everybody that 62% of approximately between 60 and 70% of women who obtain an abortion are mothers, the people who already have children and who are seeking to limit their family size or who are seeking to... Um, to not have to continue with a pregnancy uh, if a child is likely to lose their life, to not have to carry around a dying infant. 
and of course, you can see from Republicans in Ohio that they are pursuing the extremes and they are keen on uh, making it illegal for doctors to um, to treat a woman with ectopic pregnancies. An ectopic pregnancy is when you have uh, a fertilized a fertilized egg implant itself in a fallopian tube. It doesn't make it all the way down to your uterus. It implants in your uh, fallopian tube, and as it grows, it then bursts this tube and it fills your abdomen uh, with blood, um, and and can cause you to internally hemorrhage to death. Uh, so there is no known medical procedure for successfully removing uh, a fertilized egg that's implanted into a fallopian tube wall and reimplanting it into the uterus and going. That's not a safe home for you, little little zygote. Yeah, plop. We'll just cut off all the blood vessels that you've attached um, to the fallopian tube wall and just reattach that into the uterus. There is no such uh, surgery that's medically feasible, but the Ohio Republicans want to make it illegal for a doctor to fail to do this uh, deadly and uh, not medically authorized procedure. They want to make it a crime called participating in abortion murder if a doctor doesn't try to remove something that's implanted in a woman's fallopian tubes to her uterus. Uh, A crime. So that has been getting international headlines with the degree of ridiculousness. It's making it illegal for a doctor to not um, essentially kill his female patients or exposed to risk of death uh, female patients who have uh, fallopian and ectopic pregnancy. Gosh. So we should look at those extremes when we remember the direction of uh, Republican legislation and Republican intention. They intend to make life difficult, life difficult for women and life difficult for doctors who, who are interested in treating women. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been interesting and informative for you. And I'll close off with the story of Dr. Savita Halapanavar, a dentist in Ireland of Indian background, beautiful woman trying to start a family with her husband, 16 weeks weeks pregnant, and her fetus had contracted an infection and was dying. But because there was still a detectable heartbeat, uh, the doctors would not treat her. She asked for termination. She'd been advised that her her baby was going to die, was dying, um, and she felt her own life to be at risk. She felt that she was so sick she asked for them to terminate this child. She wanted to live, to have other babies that were healthy. She wanted to live to continue her, her life, her relationship with her husband and her dreams and hopes for the future. And they refused to help her. A midwife told her, it's not going to happen. This is a Catholic hospital. Um, they're not going to help you. Uh, her husband testified to that. Dr. Savita Halapanova doesn't testify to anything because she died of a heart attack secondary to sepsis, uh, namely an infection that she caught from her own uh, infected unborn child that doctors would not remove from her body. So it illustrates that a woman's life is, is always at risk from... Uh, the potential of something going wrong with her pregnancy. And if you give it an unborn child equal legal standing to its, uh, to its parent who is carrying it, um, would you call that a gestating parent? Then you are putting women's lives at risk. 
And there's no point complaining about all of the lives of the unborn babies that never make it to the stage of being a live baby with legal rights. You can call it another holocaust of unborn babies being killed by their mothers, uh, but you are doing a disservice to women because women are dying in countries where abortion isn't legal and it's been described as torture by the UN to lack access to reproductive choice measures. So I'm happy to debate with people and to hear intelligent arguments about uh, sentience of babies in their third trimester, unborn babies. They don't have legal rights, but they do have more sentience than is often acknowledged by pro, uh, pro-abortion pro advocates. But I'm happy to include that on the table as part of the argument to say babies are uh, mentally processing things and learning things in the third trimester. So it should be uh, done thoughtfully and gravely any any potential abortion, any potentially ending the life of a baby with a degree of sentience. Uh, but first trimester and second trimester babies, there shouldn't be obstacles. I can call it a baby because I can be impregnant, I can be pregnant with a zygote and I can call that my baby, but it means future baby. And that unborn zygote should not have any legal rights. If I choose not to devote nine months of my life to bring that baby into the world, uh, it's very important um, to not cut me off from opportunities. Women have always been able to, to find ways and means to abort a child, an unborn child, that's, yeah, it's better called a fetus because uh, I'll mostly call it a fetus, but I'll occasionally call it an unborn child to show that I am connecting with the arguments of people on the right uh, who see all life as... Um, or who pretend, who at least argue that they see all life as having a degree of sanctity to it, even as they advocate for policies which jeopardise people's lives, even as they advocate for policies that cut children off from food stamps, uh, even as they continue to support a president who greenlit a massacre of Kurdish children um, and Kurdish adults in northeastern Syria. <laughs> all right. All right. Cheers, everyone, for listening, and all the best. Take care. Bye.